Hello and welcome to the final episode of the first series of the S10 Football Podcast. Today's a special episode because I'm joined by the man who made me a football fan and also gave me the idea to do this football podcast long before I actually did. Coincidentally, it's also the podcast I've been probably most nervous for, but I'm massively excited to wish a very good morning to my dad, Mr. Pete Gorman. How are we, Dad? Good morning, Toby J. I'm well, thanks. I'm so the usual, the usual questions for um, new guests. Uh, what team do you support? Uh, Manchester United. Um, your favourite ever player? Uh, George Best. Uh, and your least favourite ever player, both from United and from elsewhere? Um, elsewhere, easy, Luis Suarez. Everyone um, says that. Literally every really? person has said that, yeah. <laughs> well, it just it just reminded me of how horrible the person he is when I saw him during the week against uh, uh, Ferro Atletico. Um, he still hasn't changed, he never will. Um from United, that's a lot more difficult because I don't have players that I, I really don't like. Probably stretching back into the seventies, I think one of the worst signings um, United ever made for real money was a guy called Ian Yule, who they signed from Arsenal. He was a big, blonde, six-foot thug. Um, I never liked him when he was at Arsenal. I didn't like him anymore when he came to United. A lot of United fans say Andres Pereira for that, which is fair enough. Which is fair enough, indeed. Um, and your crisp packet of choice. Ah, well, salt and black pepper, um, but have to be handmade crisps, I'm afraid. None of this Walker's rubbish and all that sort of... The disrespect. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it is. And also, a further question, because um, I don't even think I know this, um, what made you a red and not a blue? Um, family history. Dad was a red, my brothers were reds. Um, it, it, being a blue was never in the equation. It just, yeah. But in Manchester, you do see like split families, don't you? You do see a couple, yeah. Um, I think more these days than in the old days. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember anybody that I knew where what you know one of the lads was a blue and the other one was a. Uh, a red, and uh, I think you get the other. You might have got the odd um, who, you know, just wanted to be a blue to be awkward, but that was it. Um, for context, um, I'm pretty sure people know this because I mentioned it before. But um, my mum and sister are both blues, which yeah. makes Darby Day a little bit interesting, doesn't it? It does indeed. Yeah, I think your sister's a token blue, rather, and your mother sort of uh, fell into it through a previous relationship. So I don't regard either of them as genuine. So you touched on football in the good old, bad old days before. Um, you first went to football in the early 1960s. Did you enjoy it more then or when we could last go to the ground? Uh, definitely more in the, uh, in the 60s. I think generally you enjoy things in your youth more than you do later, particularly a, a sport where, you, you know, you go to the game and all that sort of thing, because you go with your mates and it's it's a, it's a journey rather than just you know, entertainment. I think in those days, the big thing was as well, going to the game was really important because you couldn't watch on the telly. Mm. You know, in those days, match of the day just started in the 60s. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was just massively different. So, yeah, definitely going back there, for sure. I mean, some of the differences, I suppose, match of the day. That was, yeah, that just started, I think it probably started early 60s. I wouldn't be sure about that. Um, 
But, you know, there was no... Um, you queued to get in. You know, there was no tickets. There wasn't... You know, you paid on the day and you had to get there early because you if you didn't get there early, you didn't get in or you didn't get to your... You, know, you, had a you spot. didn't get your spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you hear people talking about um, arriving at the Stratford end at twelve o'clock for a three yeah, o'clock. Yeah, yeah, I was you know I was one of them. You know, quite often the gates would shut at the Stratford end at half one, quarter to two, you know, before a, a, a three o'clock kickoff. What were the other key differences? The standing. Yeah, standing obviously. You know, the swaying and moving about and everything. You know, you always had to be on your toes, otherwise you'd be on the floor. Because something that happened in you know one corner of the pitch, and everybody did, you know, go down seven steps to see what was going on, and then move back again. <laughs> it's just it was the way it was. So fast forward forty five years when you started taking me to Old Trafford, how did you sort of match days adapt? Because obviously people had their routines. Me and you've been doing the same ones for years. So how did it adapt when you started taking me? Um. I'd say probably the key difference is that if you're taking somebody, you know, as young as you were, it should be, how old were you, six? Yeah, six, yeah. Yeah. Then you've got this little person about who you need to take care of and you need to grab hold of them. You're worried that they get caught in the crowd and you'd lose them and all that sort of thing. So it's really all that side of it that's the difference. At least you didn't have to take me out of my first game. Yeah, and your cousin. Yeah, Yeah, my cousin. Yeah, it was too noisy. Said it was too loud. <laughs> Which I think is a classic blessing. Yeah, indeed. Um, so obviously, the difference with the modern game now is obviously higher ticket prices, Sky TV, commercialisation of the game, etc. What are your views on that? Yeah, just generally, uh, it's lovely sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, you know, to have all this football, and you know, at the moment during the pandemic, it's wall to wall. But even outside the pan- pandemic. There is just so much football, um, and it is, you know, it's taken away the joy of going um, because you could just watch it on TV. I still don't think there's anything like going because of the atmosphere. It is a game where there's an awful lot going on off the ball that you don't see while you're just watching a game on TV. You might see it when they do the slow mos afterwards, and you know, the wider scan of a of a picture. Um, but in terms of really seeing as it happens, there's nothing like being there. I just um, think you prefer. I just think you prefer um, being there because obviously, when me and you are sat watching in the living room, you can hear my rabbiting about the game <laughs> a lot louder. Well, there is that as well. There is that as well. You are a bit more vocal in the living room in terms of tactical uh, nouns and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's for sure. That's because I'm busy doing other things when we're in the ground. <laughs> That's true. That's true. What's the biggest sacrifice you've ever made to get to a game? I don't think I would have sacrificed anything to get to a game because I would have just gone to the game and never thought that anything was a sacrifice because the game was the most important thing. (laughs) So I didn't think I was giving anything else up. Probably was, but yeah, it just the game was the game and that's what that was top of the list. So nothing ever got above the game, if that makes sense. I remember um, my sister, your daughter, turning 13. Uh-huh. And, oh, right. yeah, and, yeah, you went to Madrid. And there was another time where I think she might have turned 15 
and we were going to like Burton Albion at home in the League Cup on a Tuesday night instead of going out for a meal. That's that's what sticks out to me. <laughs> See, I, I don't think those sacrifices. Sorry, you know, Libby and uh, anybody else, but I just think you know you're going to the game. Yeah. What do you remember about taking me to my first? Um, this was Portsmouth in the cup, wasn't it? It was. It was Portsmouth in the cup. It was the quarterfinal. Uh, Harry Redknapp was their manager. We got beat 1-0. Um, and I said, that's it, you're not coming again. <laughs> that's the bit I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And um, I think I think, I think, think at the time, you weren't sure whether I was... Um, yeah, I thought you were serious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, those were the days. You've touched on football there on TV. And... Um, one of our biggest like gripes collectively is the standard of football punditry nowadays, which I think we both agree has um, gone a bit downhill, should we say. So we're going to do a football pundit tier list. So the ranks are great, okay, meh, and um, shocking. So I'll give you a few names and you've got to rank them into said category. Get it? Get it, yeah. Okay. So first one, one of our favourite players, Gary Neville. Uh, great, apart from when he's commentated on United. Yeah, he goes a bit the other way, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Um, Jermaine Genus. Uh, shocking. He's just he's better off on the one show, isn't he? That's where his uh, gravitas should be, towards that sort of thing. He's just... Um, he's he's nondescript genus. You know, he's the sort of person who'd be in a grey suit somewhere and, and you wouldn't notice him. He, he should blend into the crowd and go away. <laughs> uh, Carragher. Uh, okay, character. You know, uh, apart from his horrible spitting you know, noise that he makes when he speaks, if you can, if you could, if you could change the accent a bit, uh, it wouldn't be too bad. Um, yeah, what he's saying is fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's right. Uh, Glenn Hoddle. Um, Glenn, no doubt about it. Hoddle. Uh, if any, if you ever listen to him, I guarantee you, he'll say that two or three times. Uh, we always, in, you always pick up on that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, in that two minutes. Um, again, it, it, I don't know. He probably feels the need to say something when there's nothing to say, um, which I think is half the problem with a lot of these guys. You know, they feel the need to say something, so they do. It's filling the airtime, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the rank. So sorry, the rank um, mayor. Michael Owen. Yeah, Michael Owen. Um, I'd rather not really comment too much on Michael Owen because he's not really worth commenting on. So, Mayor. Um, Steve McManaman. Um, Macca. He, he is Macca, yeah. Macca. And who's the guy Fletch. who commentates with Fletch, yeah? Um, Fletch. You can see him down the boozer, can't you? Having a fight. And, All right, Fletch, what are you having? Um, yeah, shocking. <laughs> he just, he's just... Uh, and he doesn't give you any insight into the game at McManaman. You know, for somebody who's played it and who should, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's played at a high level as well. Liverpool, no, exactly. He's played Liverpool, Madrid, yeah, but he doesn't tell you anything that's just not so blindingly obvious. Um, Patrice Evra, entertaining. So I, I don't know what. what you, yeah, he's he's great, Evra, because he's from a United perspective, he's absolutely United mad, um, and loves him to bits, but also. He's really entertaining. Um, Mika Richards. 
Mika Richards. I know you're a bit of a Mika Richards fan. Um, I have to say, he's growing on me a little bit. Um, so I'd probably get him into the OK category. Um, his dress sense is a bit appalling. Um, but, yeah, he's growing on me, so I'd go OK. I don't think you put Ever in one, by the way. Oh, sorry, not great. Yeah, Ever is great. And finally, Roy Keane. Um, Keno's there to be controversial, isn't it? And uh, I'm that's sure why it, I don't like him. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I, I can see why people don't like him. It, it, I'd say I'd just put him in the OK category. Um, it'd be somewhere between there uh, and OK. Controversial for controversial sake. So I just want to talk, um, do another blast of the past here um, because obviously. We're both United fans and we live in the era of um, reactionary content, both online and in stadiums when we were allowed to go in them. Um, and there's often a lot of apathy towards United, even when we're in the top four, due to playing style, unrealistic expectations, and generally people just being miserable. Having seen United go down, do you take everything at the minute with like a pinch of salt sort of thing? Um I say most things in life are, uh, are cyclical to some extent. So, you know, nothing lasts forever. And, um, you know, you get born, you know, you pay taxes, you die, all those sort of things. Um, and whoever's successful, they won't remain successful forever. You know, you think they will at the time. Like people think now that, you know, people last season thought Liverpool invincible. You know, this is going to go on for the next however many years. All of a sudden, this year, might not get in the top four. You know, City a few years ago. And it was a, it's been the same with uh, with United. So, you know it won't last forever, even though at the time, you think it probably will. And back in the... And so, when you tasted um, relegation, and you've been through, you know, the era in the 70s when, I'll tell you, you know, we've seen, you know, we, me and you have seen them during the Moyes era um, and during the Van Gaal era when they were pretty painful to watch at times. I can assure you they were just as painful to watch in the Franco failure era and the early Doherty um, era. And when they went down, it was coming the year before, in 72, 73, I think they scored. Um, so in those days, there was 42 games a season. And they didn't even score a goal again. They scored 40 goals, I remember, that season. And then in the year that they went down, they scored 38 goals. Yeah. So you can tell the sort of football you were watching. You know, if you that, remind, that reminds me of that Van Gaal season we had um, where we saw about three goals at the East End end before Christmas. Correct, correct. Um, but, did, it get, did it get toxic then in 74 when they went down? Because obviously if that happened now, they'd be burning Old Trafford to the ground. Well, I mean, they did have the pitch invasion and it was, I mean, the 70s was a violent, you know, the end of the 60s going into the 70s was a violent time to watch football. You know, if you look at the gates then, the gates went down because people were frightened of going because it would kick off all over the place. Um, it was a, you know, it wasn't a time to protect your, you know, your wife and your two kids to a football match, that's for sure. Um, not that you ever would. Not, not, no, not that I ever would. It's correct, um, but it was a, you know, it was a, it was a pretty, you know, pretty toxic time to go and watch football. Then I go and watch um, 
United. I remember that season. And the only thing I thought in that season was towards the end of it, they bought a couple of players in and who looked as old, you know, they might play a bit. They had a lot of old, you know, old people in the side in the early 70s and they were clinging on to the glories of the 60s. Um, and eventually people left at different times, you know. Um, it's a bit like it's a bit like what United did post Fergie, sort of clean on. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, it is correct. You know, they had sort of best was obviously always disappearing, then coming back. So he went at the at the end of seventy three or beginning of seventy four. Dennis had already gone. Charlton you know, was on the verge of retiring, um, and you know you get those three players like that who were world. You know, when we talk about world class, I'm talking proper world class. You don't replace them overnight. Um, no. So, and and they also had some very, you know, people like Ted McDougall, you know, who was great on the south coast for Bournemouth, but yeah, come to a big club like United, he was like a rabbit in the headlights. He just, you could tell he was trying to death when he put the shirt on. Mm. And, and you get players like that who come to big clubs, you know, and they can't hack it. You know, I've acted at Nottingham Forest or Bournemouth or. Know, out in the sticks, but they come to you know, 60,000, 70,000 people, and it's a different game. It really is. Yeah. Um, so, how would you compare that side to the Moyes and Van Gaal sort of seasons? I'd say similar, to be honest. You know, you get the odd game that gave you a spark of hope, and you think, oh, you know, maybe it's not as bad as I think. And then the next four that make you believe, yeah, it is as bad. You know? And I think that's what you got with Moyes and Van Gaal, didn't you? You can remember an odd game, Moyes. What was that European game where we battered somebody? Olympiakos, wasn't it? it? David yeah, Moyes. Yeah. And you thought, One, wow. Van Persie scored that trip. Yeah, exactly. And 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 under um, Van Gaal, we had a couple of games, you know, you thought, wow. Yeah. And we won a we won a cup, didn't we? In fairness, you know, under Franco failure, you know, we never won anything. Under Sexton, we never won anything. We won, obviously, we won the cup with under Doherty and uh, Atkinson. We won some trophies, didn't we? Um, Atkinson was a good side to watch, you know. Um, uh, Robson and Moses and McGrath and all those sort of players. That was a, yeah, they were a proper cup side, what I call a cup side, because they weren't consistent, but on the day they could beat anybody. You, you mentioned the win of the cup under Van Gaal. I remember. We went to Wembley to watch the semi-final, the one where Marshall slotted in the last minute and it all went off um, outside afterwards. Um, and then, like the Wednesday night after, we were watching nil nils again. Yeah, well, that's that that sort of sums it up. And and you think you, you when you see these managers and we talk about you know successful managers, successful managers are the ones that win the big games, aren't they? Yeah. You, you know that's why David Moyes. A lot of people have got sort of great time for him, but. When David Moyes was at Everton, when those big games came around and they should have beat, was it Wigan one year when they could have got to the final and they couldn't beat Wigan in the semi, they could never beat Liverpool. You know, they could never win the big games because he didn't have the mentality. In fairness, the there's, a, there's a lot of Everton managers that have been guilty. Yeah, no, but, but, but all I'm saying is he had teams that should have beaten Liverpool. A lot of managers have teams that they couldn't have beaten Liverpool. Liverpool were just far superior. What's, had... what springs to what springs to mind and that um I remember 
Everton and Liverpool played in the semi-final one year. Yeah. And Liverpool had like, the worst Liverpool side I've ever seen. They had like yeah, Kinchesky, Brad, Brad Jones in goal. Yeah, yeah. And Everton were 1-0 up and somehow still didn't win. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's it. You've got it in a nutshell. That's the point. So, changing topic a little bit, um, I'm going to go for some best and worst because obviously you've been watching football a lot longer than I have. So, best and worst ground you've been to? See, in some ways, I think Arsenal's a great ground. Even the old Highbury was a great ground. Um, and the new one's got all the amenities and everything. But if you're measuring grounds on atmosphere, you know, I'll I tell you ground I love because we went there quite a lot, <coughs> excuse me, um, was um, Villa, Villa Park. Semi-finals. Yeah, the semi-finals. Yeah, yeah, some great, some great memories of uh, of semi-finals there. So it's, yeah. archi- it's architecturally like good on the eye as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and worst. Um, in relation to where they were in the league and all that sort of thing, the Dell was the absolute pits of a ground. Southampton, Southampton's old ground. If you were behind the goals in the way and there, the roof was that low, you couldn't see the pitch. Mm. You, know, you had to crouch down to be able to see the far end of the pitch. Horrible place. And I went to see one of United's best ever performances there, where they won, I think it was 5-2, played in blue and yellow, around about 1970 or something like that. Um, uh, best was outstanding. Did you go to the game where they had to change kits at half time? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I wasn't there for that. But, but that's another reason not to like the Dell, isn't it? Yeah. Um, best and worst trip you've been on? So, forgetting the game itself. Um, I suppose you can't forget the game, can you? Because that's all part of the trip. Well, I mean, it's got to be 99 and the new camp is the best trip because of everything that it represented. It The best trip for the, the crack and everything was probably going to Madrid in 2013 because um, mm. of the you know the weekend uh, sorry we went there for a few days and you know had a real you know real lap we've had some belting trips me and you to Wembley um, yeah. one of my favourite trips as a kid was um, as a kid um, again probably 15, 16 something like that was going to Northampton in the cup when United beat uh, Northampton 8-2 and Bestie scored six. Uh, if, if if anyone listening to this hasn't seen it yet, George Best scores a goal where he goes past about six players, yeah, Brown's yeah. keeper and slots it. Yeah, Watch good. it on YouTube. Yeah, and leads on the post afterwards. Um, mm. Yeah, and, and Northampton then played um, uh, played at what was also a cricket ground. So they actually, so they built up the stand on, on, the, on one side. Um, and it was fabulous. Yeah, it was going... Yeah, going to a ground like that, and uh, and yeah, it was that was a memorable trip, memorable trip. And worst, is there any that think? Oh, that was a shocker. Um, yeah, the um, the first cup final that I ever went to, uh, where they played Southampton and got beat one nil. Um, I think it was a because it was my first cup final, and b I never ever countenanced that they get beat. It just never even entered my head that they get paid. Um, uh, and they got paid. <laughs> I think I was living in London then. Um, and a few of the lads came down from Manchester. We booked in a hotel uh, in um, in London. 
went to the game, had a few beers and everything, came back and I went to bed. I didn't even want to go out on a Saturday night. Can you believe that? To be fair, we did that on the um, 2018 Chelsea Cup final, didn't we? Yeah, yeah I suppose we did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, best and worst player scene for United? Obviously, your best your best tool will be George Best, right? It will be George Best, correct. Uh, worst, a few candidates. Um, I plumped in the end for George Booker. Woeful. Woeful. He just... Yeah, just looks as though he'd never seen a football, never mind played football. And best and worst match atmosphere? I'd say the best atmosphere was um, Madrid at home in 2003. United won 4-3. Was that the one where Ronaldo had trick? Correct, that's the one. The old Ronaldo. If if that's on YouTube, watch it, because he was some player. He, he got a standard ovation when he went off, uh, I mean, scored a hat-trick. And, I mean, everybody in the ground stood up. And and we won. Yeah, Beckham yeah, came on and stood up and scored too. Um, and we won. You won't really uh, remember worst atmospheres, because nobody remembers the bad ones. Well, I think the worst, the most frightening atmosphere was probably the worst atmosphere, and that was going to West Ham in the, uh, again, in the 70s. Um where you feared for your life um, if you got in uh, until you got out. <laughs> it was one of those places. I went once um, and I never wanted to go again. I actually did go again many, many years later uh, in the seats. I had a pal who's a, a West Ham fan and uh, he got me a ticket with him and I was still frightened to death there. You said that... that um... The stand that used to have at Upton Park was called like the chicken room, wasn't it, on the That's far it. side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I escaped you... from one part of the ground to the other and, and a, a security guy somewhere just smashed the gate behind me. And if if he hadn't, then... I'd... You'd have been in trouble. So, back onto the fixture of the pod, shall we say now. Um, it's the joint hacker. Now, you're a lot better at betting than I am. Um <laughs> But we need three selections from this weekend's football, please. Uh, right. Um, Everton to beat Southampton on Monday. Spurs yeah, to beat Burnley. Um, and I've gone down your route here because you do a lot of these both teams to score and all that sort of thing, don't you? Can I have that? Or have it yeah, yeah, you can have that. Okay. So Everton to beat Southampton, Spurs to beat Burnley and Leeds and Villa, both teams to score. Um, I'm going to have QPR to beat Birmingham. I'm going to have um, Middlesbrough to beat Cardiff and a Cardiff have won six in a row but they're due a defeat um, and I'm going to pick one. Rotherham to beat Reading so that's a 96 to 1 shot so we'll stick a quid on and we'll we'll see how it goes absolutely we'll be celebrating um, and finally because it's a special episode we've got questions from listeners um, so I stuck it out on Instagram the other day. Do you have any questions for you? Um, so we've got eight for, to go through. Right. So one from usual co-host Harry. Um, support Liverpool or ignore me for the rest of your life? <laughs> ignore you? Yeah. Tommy J? Yeah. No, that's impossible. No, that's not, you can't have questions like that. I mean, my, my decision on that would be Harry being ousted from your regular... Uh, Co-host, 
<laughs> for asking impossible questions. Not happening, never happening. Tommy J. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Um, a certain one of my mates fishing for a compliment. But um, who out of my mates is the best person to talk about football? And I hope you don't pick him. Um, you've got that many mates. Probably Jack. Jack Byrne. Oh, for God's sake, I knew you'd say that. Yeah. It, it was his question. Oh, was it actually? Well, there you go. Chad has asked, any tips for Cheltenham this year? Uh, yeah. Tell him he can subscribe to my tipping line if he uh, if he'd like to. I'll be giving details out nearer the time. Uh, I, think the, I think he does anyway. To he does sure. anyway. To do, right, okay. He doesn't pay me, though, Tommy. Does he pay you? No, never seen a penny <laughs> out of him. Um, the only anti-post bet I've had so far, because um, I don't really like it, until, I prefer to wait until near the time when you know what the going's going to be like and you know, exactly what's going to run, uh, is I'm back to a horse called Zana here in the triumph on the final day. Um, best or Ronaldo? And that's from Will. Uh, best. No danger. Love um, Ronaldo, top player, but uh, best. Obviously, you've already answered um, Ravan's question, which was your favourite player of all time, which is also George Best. Yeah. Um, you've got to keep one pair and bin one forever. So, you, so football and golf versus cricket and horse racing, so you can never watch the other pair again. That's impossible again. That's, wait, can I change him around and go? No, no, I've done them in that way <laughs> deliberately. Um, football. I've, I've, that's, that's really yeah. Cricket and horse racing. I'm sorry, I'd have to bin it. I'd have to keep football. Um, what position did you play, and were you any good? Um, to anybody who listens to this, almost certainly not. In my eyes, I was probably a bit better than I was. Started off as a right winger, ended up a slowish right back. Um, overall, average. You like you, you like me start up front and move further back. <laughs> exactly. At least I was half good. <laughs> you were. You were. People don't believe when I when I say I used to score goals. Yeah. What was your record? Sixty odd. Six six sixty odd. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sixty odd. I'm, I'm gonna keep. I'm. I'm definitely keeping that bit in, just so yeah. I can prove it. Yeah. The goal machine. Um, and finally, Liverpool or City? No, that's another impossible question. Yeah, neither <laughs> is the correct answer. <laughs> so it's been fun. It's been great fun. Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me on. And uh... if you want to hear more um, football noise, you can follow uh, me down on Twitter at Glasses Peter. Um, you can follow the pod at S10 Football Pod. Um, and we'll see. I need a break now because I've been doing this for a long time. So I'll see you in a few weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye now.